On this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum, we have Sam Bruno, and as our special guest, Roger Brown is back from the New Hampshire Football Report.com, and of course, the byline in the Union Leader, and a new venture that we'll talk about later in the program. Uh, gentlemen, it's football season. The schoolboy camps are underway. Season will be here before we know it. Media day at UNH. Uh, we got to, to go down there and talk with Coach Rick Santos and the players. So, uh, Roger, um, you want to lead off and, and give me your take on media day. In terms of UNH's season, uh, on, on paper, it looks very, very promising. Um, you know, very successful year last year, playoff team, and pretty much everybody back. You know, not all of the key pieces, but the majority of them, uh, you know, give or take, uh, you know, nine starters on offense, nine starters on defense, the specialists are back. So, you know, it looks, I think they were picked second in the CAA and it looks like it should be one of their better years in a long, long time. Of course, that's just on paper. You never know how it's going to play off, but that was a lot of the, that's been a lot of the subjects uh, matter when I've interviewed coach Santos here in the preseason is, is dealing with high expectations this year that were not there last year. Last year, I think they kind of came out of the middle of the pack. His first year, there was a lot of uncertainty. This year, they're a known commodity. You know, again, they've got All-Americans on both sides of the ball, returning quarterback, depth. Uh, it, you know, it looks like it could be a really, really fun year in Durham. And I was uh, really impressed with the confidence of the players and the coach and, uh, you know, they're looking forward to this season. They're, 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 last year wasn't a fluke, and they're, gonna, they're out to prove that. wasn't a fluke season. They're picked 12th nationally um, in the uh, latest FCS poll. Um, you know, the Dakotas are 1-2, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota. Uh, but uh, they're picked 12th. So, uh, I mean, that's a very respectable position for uh, UNH to be in. The only, uh, I think, CAA team, well, there were two CAA teams above them, William and Mary and Holy Cross uh, in the standings. So, uh, you know, yeah, again, uh, I, I agree with both you guys. I mean, things are, things are really looking good. And, you know, they start off with Stonehill in their first game, which is a new team coming into the league. So uh, not that you can chalk up an automatic win, but, you know, I think, uh, I think that'll be a, a, a game that UNA should be able to handle pretty easily. Roger, today you had a great interview in the uh, union leader uh, with Joe Eichmann. Uh, you know, it's it's funny in college football these days. I just can't figure out with uh, redshirting and COVID semesters that you still have. Uh, it used to be that it was four years and bye bye. You know, guys were gone. But now they're playing five, five and a half, even six into six seasons. Um, and Joe Eichmann is one of those players. Yeah. And before I get to Joe, like Matt, Max. Rosemer, I mean, I don't know how many years he's going to be around. Right. When all, he got a yeah. medical red shirt in addition to his regular red shirt, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. You know, Joe was a, was a very good player at Merrimack High. And it surprised me when I uh, talked to Coach Santos in the spring, uh, Eichmann wasn't there. Um, and, you know, he ventured out into the working world. I think he said he had a, an internship that, you know, he hoped led to something, but he had one year of eligibility left, even though he had graduated. And, um, you know, he was going to leave it on the table, but he said almost immediately he knew he made the wrong decision. Um, 
and he, you know, I think he, he waited a little while, but, you know, eventually he was talking to the players and some of the coaches and he ended up calling uh, Rick Santos and, you know, just letting him know he'd like to rejoin the team, which they were happy to have him. And uh, they were, he's fortunate that there was a spot on the team for him, you know, cause he could have a full roster and whatnot. So he didn't get to participate in spring drills, but he re-enrolled in some classes or enrolled in some classes and joined the team this summer. And uh, just another uh, key piece in the defensive backfield that should be very experienced and, and deep. So it's always good to have New Hampshire players, you know, uh, doing good things at UNH. And one thing I was impressed when we were talking to uh, Coach Santos and uh, Rosemer's name came up. I mean, I asked the question about, you know, quarterbacks in general and, and, and Rick Santos having been such a dominating quarterback during his tenure at UNH, uh, you know, bringing up these guys and, and Rosemer in particular. And he was very complimentary as far as his potential. He's talking, he has the potential someday maybe to be in the pros. So that was, that was, that was high praise from somebody who knows how to quarterback. Yeah, I think Max, from from pretty much everybody you talk to, puts in a ton of work off the field, both, uh, you know, from a physical standpoint. Of course, he had to rehab from two knee injuries in his career. Uh, but just preparing, you know, uh, watching film and, and uh, you know, from the mental aspect of the game, which I, I, other than maybe Brett Favre, pretty much everybody has to do to play in the pros, you know. He seems to have everything together in that respect, you know, physically and mentally and, and work ethic. The team as a whole is taking to the coach and his philosophy on football. And, and I think the Wildcats have nothing but great stuff coming up in the future. So I'm looking forward to it. I know you are too, Sam. Well, I think I, I think it's going to be optimistic. You know, again, you've got that Stonehill game, which is the first game, which is coming up on um, yeah, September 2nd. But then on the ninth, they go to the MAC conference, uh, Mid America conference, and they're going to play the Central Michigan uh, Chippewas, uh, and that's not going to be an easy game on the road. So, uh, you know, just like that. And then they're home on the sixteenth against Dartmouth, and that, you know, that's going to so always a good in inter interstate rivalry uh, between Dartmouth and UNH. But this year is going to have a little bit more of a. I don't know, uh, a tinge to it because uh, of the the accident to Coach Tevens for Dartmouth. A uh, tragic situation where uh, he was injured in a bicycle accident in Florida and lost his right leg, and he's rehabbing from that right now, so there'll be an interim coach. Um, Roger, have you ever men met the interim coach for Dartmouth? Uh, I don't know much about him. Uh, I, I've never met him in person, uh, Sam, but I, I did talk to him, uh, interview him Monday, um, and that was pretty much the gist of the, the interview is um, how are you going to move forward without Coach Tevens, you know, and they have a veteran staff. And fortunately, Sam McCorkle has been there, uh, I, I forget exactly how many years, but a long time as the associate head coach. So, I mean, it's, it's a terrible situation to be in, but they seem uh, about as well equipped to handle it from a staff standpoint as you could. And I, I don't know, I forget exactly where Dartmouth was picked in the Ivy League media poll. And, uh, you know, I'm far from a homer, as people know, but I, I really think they're going to be much better than uh, predicted. Um, you know, you look at starters back and their, their numbers are low, but they had a lot of guys play a lot of meaningful snaps last year that technically weren't quote-unquote starters. 
and they have, you know, quarterbacks back and some other key positions. So I don't want to go too far down that road, but um, I, I think Dartmouth's going to be pretty good. And uh, if UNH fans think that's uh, that's going to be a gimme win, I think uh, they, they, you know, they may have to rethink that. Does Dartmouth have that two quarterback setup, Bill? <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up, yeah. Sean. You're intrigued by that. You yeah. love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if they're going to do it this year or not, Sherm, but the the quarterback, one of the two, uh, who, who was that, you know, the, when they originally started to do it, the more of the runner of the of the two is is still their starting quarterback. So I, I think even last year they, they did a little bit of it, you know, um, you know, put a passer in there. And, and it's not always in predictable situations either. So it's not like third and 10, here comes the passer. Um and, you know, they've been innovative in a lot of ways, and, and this is another way. You know, maybe maybe more teams will do this in the future. I'm not sure. Well, we heard uh, Coach Santos yesterday tell us that, you know, Max Brosmer and, and the, the setup they're going is more of a pro setup for him, and uh, so it should be interesting. Let's go to schoolboy. Uh, NewHampshireFootballReport.com, if you want to know uh, how the teams uh, in the state of New Hampshire are progressing in their camps, uh, schoolboy uh, camps are underway, and uh, I'm sure cuts are being made, and uh, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty because I know right here at, at Exeter High School, it's August 31st will be the first game, uh, Thursday night football. That, that's that's unique. Uh, so, Roger, uh, without giving too much away, so the people will go to NewHampshireFootballReport.com and get the details, what can you give us a kind of a thumbnail of what you've seen so far and what you're projecting uh, for football in the state of New Hampshire? Good question, Sherm. You know, it's still a little early. Um, one of the f- few things I think most people can agree on is that, uh, you know, Bedford is probably the preseason favorite in most minds. Um, they lost a lot, but they do return a lot. You know, they had a lot of young guys in uh, prominent roles on the team that won it last year, including their quarterback, Danny Black. Um and then there's, you know, you can always say Londonderry is going to be pretty good and, and Pinkerton is going to be pretty good. But after that, it really is, you know, uh, just a bunch of teams that I, I have really no idea if they're going to be, you know, okay or really good. You know, I don't, it's not like I look at a team and say, well, they're not going to be good this year. They're all going to be, you know, decent. I just don't know which ones are going to really elevate and, and, and be, you know, like uh, top five type teams or what have you. So, it could be a crazy season. I mean, we could be in for really competitive games, you know, uh, most weeks, which is rare. You know, usually about half your games are competitive and then the good teams beat up on weaker teams the other half. Um, so that that's my initial thoughts. Uh, you know, I, I put a ten, top 10 up on the, uh, on the football report, and usually I feel pretty good about it. But this one I just was like, geez, uh, you know, I think this is where the team belongs, but I'm really unsure myself, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, so, there, ain't, there ain't standout players that you, right now that you're, you know, we should just keep our ears to the ground about on different teams? Well, yeah, I think the the, the main kid is Ty Miles from Londonderry, who missed most of last year with a knee injury, but he recovered and he's back. And I think last month it was that he committed to Holy Cross so in terms of marquee players, you know, he's probably at the top of the list. Um, and then I mentioned Danny Black, the, the Bedford quarterback. You know, he was uh, – I think he – I don't know the particulars, but I think he led him, you know, 80 yards in the last minute to beat Londonderry in the championship game. So, uh, 
not many kids capable of that. But again, it's another one, like I mentioned, there's another one of those years where there's not as many uh, known commodities out there. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of kids who make names for themselves, but uh, right now, uh, a lot of, you know, unfamiliar names that have yet to prove themselves, although I'm sure they will. So what about Seacoast kids? Anybody in particular you've heard uh, in the pipeline? Well, on the Seacoast, I think, uh, you know, of the marquee names, you know, Portsmouth probably has the, has the best of that crew. Um, you know, they, they could be very good this year. They just got a transfer from Winnicott, one of Winnicott's best players. Uh, and, and again, there's like seven or eight kids I could mention, but, um, you know, Dover's quarterback, Ryder Robin is back. Timberlane has a couple of good running backs that Exeter people are familiar with. And, you know, in Exeter, you know, most of the, um, most of the starters from a year ago are gone. So it's uh, with, with a few exceptions, uh, that's a perfect example of kids that aren't household names right now, but I'm sure there's good players and they're going to establish themselves soon. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a fact finding mission at this point. One of the questions I asked Coach Santos, I said, you know, you've got the schoolboy camps that are opening up right now and, and kids scrambling to make the varsity, especially the sophomores that are, you know, trying to find their way and uh, what advice he would give. And he came out with a great comment. And again, to tease that, we'll play it on our next edition of the Seaco Sports Forum where we have Mike Murphy on board because I'd like to get Mike's reaction to that. But uh, yeah. It's, good uh, news, good news, Sherm, for uh, for Exeter fans is that on the opening day of practice, uh, Coach Ball was Coach Ball was interviewed. And, uh, you know, again, uh, he is coming off heart bypass surgery yeah. and he de- he declared himself ready to go. And he Great. said, there's no, he says, all set to go. No, I'm back full-time AD back full-time football, no problems. And in coaches speak uh, was asked about, you know, a lot of a lot of new players uh, taking positions, especially a quarterback. And uh, in coaches speak, uh, it's going to be a very competitive preseason. Okay. So, uh, again, uh, the, the names that show up in that first game against Timberlane uh, on August 31st are uh, going to be a lot of new players, as Roger said, coming up this year. And don't forget, Timberlane knocked Exeter out of the playoffs last year. They open up right against uh, the Owls on the 31st. Thanks for bringing that up, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> they beat them twice, a tough, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that mm. was a tough loss, tough loss, tough yeah. loss. It's good to hear Coach uh, Ball, in case people didn't know, he had – he had undergone uh, bypass surgery, uh, looking good and uh, raring to go, and that's all that matters. You know, you know it's, uh, it wouldn't be the same without him on the sidelines. Before we wrap up the schoolboy thing, the out-of-conference games that we're playing this season, uh, Roger, you, you had some input about that in the past. What's your input about it this particular season coming up, some of the games that you've seen that have been scheduled? I kind of like it. You know, the, the one strange thing is when you play an out-of-state opponent, or out of you know out of division or what however you want to look at it, but let's say out of state. In other sports, it counts. Like the Bishop Girton girls always test themselves with, you know, seven or eight teams from the Northeast, and those games count. Uh, baseball teams play teams from Maine and Mass, and those games count. So I, I don't really understand why they don't count in football, but. You know, they, the only way they would come into play is deep down on the tiebreaker list. And, um, you know, it's funny. I always argued for these games 
you know, that they should make room for at least in division one where you can play one out of state opponent or even a rival. If, if maybe, um, you know, maybe there's a division two school and you're a division one school, but your neighboring towns or what have you, and maybe Alvern and Campbell or whatever, I don't know. And I was, I was told, um, well, we can't extend the season past Thanksgiving. Okay. But when it suits the NHIA, of course, which was last year when they ended up with 21 teams and they had a scheduling mess, they extended the season past Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, that was a bunch of BS. And uh, I, I guess in short, I'm glad we have the games. I'm not a, I'm not in love with the system we have, but it's probably the best we can do with, uh, with the odd number of teams. But, uh, you know, I think Pinkerton should be playing Brockton and, you know, this main uh, New Hampshire rivalry is good because a lot of those main teams that are very good don't have uh, many competitive games up there. So I, I do think it's a good thing uh, overall. And I, I think it's, um, you know, it adds interest. You know, I, I've been uh, arguing or not arguing, but trying to get Portsmouth to have a Seacoast Jamboree. Yeah. Three or four New Hampshire teams against three or four Southern Maine teams. And I think at this time of year, people are just frothing for football. You don't even have to charge any money. Just put up a donation uh, bucket there and, and you could raise money for whatever homeless shelter or whatever charity you want, you know, and, um, and put a little in this, in your uh, booster club bank bank account as well. I agree. Uh, so I just want to, just want to let people know when you bring up Portsmouth and the Seacoast um, uh, Seacoast situation, uh, Portsmouth high is getting a new turf field. Uh, it, that's being installed as we speak. And so uh, as a Portsmouth resident, I'll say thank you very much uh, for uh, installing that field. And the Exeter game will be at Portsmouth this season. And yeah, from what Roger said, Portsmouth's got a good team. So we'll, they we'll did. Have... They have they had they had an unbelievable turnout. Again, it's Portsmouth Oyster River, yeah. but they had over 100 students turn out. And uh, Brian Pafford was talking about um, he doesn't know if he has have enough coaches uh, to handle that kind of a turnout, which is a good problem to have. And, and, uh, for our schedule, for the blue Hawk schedule, Sam, our, our out of conference game, uh, that's, uh, what date is that against? That's going to be on uh, the 29th of September, which is a Friday night. And they're going to take on uh, St. John's prep of Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. I did have a chance Sharon, before the show today, just to look at the NHIAA, uh, website and just to give you a quick update on the other teams uh, the golf team starts on August 23rd with a match against Nashua North Hanover and Central uh, the girls soccer team under coach uh, Megan Young starts on the 25th at home against Londonderry Dan Curran's boys soccer team will be at Londonderry on August 25th and uh, Deb Grotz uh, championship field hockey team will open their season on August 28th against Natural South. The volleyball team will be at home on September 1st against Pinkerton and unified soccer starts on September 14th and they will host Londonderry. Are there any officiating changes this year that you know of? There's always a need for officials. That's for sure. Um, but is, are there any rule changes? I run that clinic, uh, the, the Yukika clinic every year. And we bring in Steve Hall to go over the rules review. Um, you know, I think there's some stuff about being out of the pocket and what have you, but uh, you know, nothing major. Um, like you, I think you hit on the biggest official topic, which is a shortage of officials. And that's part of the reason why 
you're going to see a fair number of Thursday night games this year, not just in week one, but I don't think you'll see them every week, but there'll, there'll be a, a good number of them just to, to help uh, deal with the officiating shortage. Two-minute drills for you, Sam. I know I, I didn't want to step on it earlier, but back to football, uh, college realignment. I, I know that's been something that you kicked around on our last oh, show. Oh, yes. Oh, we've, I've just been following that so closely. Um, uh, I, I can't read enough or listen enough about how college football is just being uh, destroyed by the money from television right now and how teams are just throwing away uh, tradition and history and just going for the bucks right now. Uh, the demise of the Pac-12 has been so sad. Um, one of the great conferences, as, as, as Bill Walton will say, the Conference of Champions uh, just destroyed. Uh, they're down to four teams right now, and those teams are just going to be split up and gone wherever. A team like Stanford with such history, very, very sad. UCLA, USC took off for the money, and now the Arizonas, the Oregons, the Washingtons, all taking off right now to join the big conferences. As it looks like right now, we're just going to be grouped into three conferences nationally. There's going to be the SEC, there's going to be the Big Ten, there's going to be the Big 12. And that's going to be it. And, and TV will just keep funding those with billions of dollars. It's going to be interesting this year. Can you imagine what the Pac-12 games are going to be like this year? And I'm, this isn't going to happen until a year from now. Right. So can you imagine what the USC you know, Stanford game is going to be like this year? I mean, it's going to be a joke. No yeah. team's going to – all their players are going to leave. They're going to transfer a portal. Hello. Transfer a portal. It's very, very sad, and uh, I'm just uh, really sad to see the Pac-12 get destroyed. Roger, what, now what's your take on all this realignment or, or abandonment or whatever you want to call it? Oh, I hate it. Ruining the sport, you know. Way, way back in the day, Sherm, and, and I'm sure you guys will remember this, before the we had a playoff system, we had all the bowls and they mattered. Uh, you know, I always used to argue that, we, you know, why don't we have a playoff system because it was all done by voting. Right. But if I had to do it all over again, I'd, I'd go back to the bowls. You know, because you had on New Year's Day, you had five or six bowls and all of them had some meeting into who was going to win the national championship. And like Sam said, you know, the, the Pac-12 was always against the, the Big Ten. And, I mean, the bowls have become somewhat irrelevant, but now they're just totally – why even have them? Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it's, it's supposed to be education, right? But this is another – I don't want to go too far down this road, but educators just just doing a terrible job, you know, and – I mean, USC versus Stanford. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in other sports? It's one thing for football to travel cross country for one day, but you know, what if you're a baseball team or a basketball team, you, you play in three, four games a week and you got to go from one coast to the other and then back there again. And I mean, it just makes no sense really, you yeah, know, the perspective has been except lost. for from a financial standpoint, of course. Yeah. Bingo. I just read, I just read today when you bring up basketball is that the big 10 said no to Connecticut and Gonzaga joining the Big Ten in basketball. So that's started now. So just wait till the dominoes start to fall there of what's going to happen. Crazy. Not good. Not, not healthy. Roger, uh, before you go to your two-minute drill, I, I, I alluded to it at the beginning of the show, uh, besides the New Hampshire Football Report.com and also uh, uh, the Union Leader Byline, you've got a new – a new project and uh, tell, tell the folks about that. 
Sure. Thanks for giving me a minute, Sherm. Yeah, we started a podcast. I'm probably the last one in the country to have one. Uh, but I tried to start the 603 Sports Podcast, which will be primarily baseball and football. Uh, baseball season will be primarily baseball talk, New Hampshire related. And um, hoping to do two a week during the football season, one that focuses on the high schools and one that focuses on primarily UNH, but the college teams. And uh, yeah, got a long ways to go. You know, we've got about 15 of them out there, but got a lot of tweaking to do and learning to do on my end to make them better. And uh, they'll be posted on the New Hampshire football report during football season and New Hampshire hardball during the baseball season. That's right. I forgot New Hampshire hardball. Don't want to forget that as well. Um, Now your two minute drill. I mentioned that I'm on that show you Kika football foundation, which for, people who are unfamiliar with it. It's just a bunch of, it's an organization that tries to promote football in New Hampshire. There's a scholar athlete banquet that's held and we have four or five different functions. Uh, This year they have agreed to sponsor a player of the year for NHIA football statewide, best player in the state. And they're going to announce 10 uh, semifinalists and three finalists. And then the winner, um, and it's similar to the Gatorade player of the year, but people who follow it closely know the Gatorade player of the year lately has been going to a prep school player and not from New Hampshire. Some cases, at least one case, not even from the United States. So they just felt like this was needed, you know, guarantee an NHIA player player of the year. I think we're the only state that doesn't have a statewide player of the year sponsored by a uh, media outlet or um, coaches association that's recognized by everybody. I mean, I do one, but it's not, you know, you may not agree with it or whatnot. So I think that's going to be healthy for uh, New Hampshire high school football. It's voted on by coaches and media members. And um, there'll be some information on that coming out soon. So I think they're doing a preseason list of potential winners. The, Winner doesn't have to come from that list, but you 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 asked for some names, Sherm, like guys to watch, and I think they're gonna the the board's gonna come up with some of the better players uh, entering the season and release those and as a way to promote it. So excellent, excellent. Yeah, I think it'll be a good thing for New Hampshire high school football. Two minute drill for me was uh, everybody talks about summer beach reads and uh, I, I, a couple of books. I, I'm one you might want to take on, uh, Roger. Uh, it's called Pull Up a Chair. It's the uh, story of Vin Scully, his career. Good book, good book, oh, good bet. book. Yeah. And and the other one was uh, a broadcaster. I you know I didn't appreciate this guy until I read his book, his autobiography. It's called Unscripted, and uh, it's Ernie Johnson Jr., uh, who was on the NBA and on TNT. He's been there for umpteen years. Uh, interesting fellow. Uh, his father was a broadcaster for years. And, uh, and Ernie, you know, took up the mantle and uh, he's uh, obviously been a, a star with the uh, TNT uh, panel there for years. Uh, but it's it's how he was raised and, and his philosophy on life. And, and a lot of good things came out of uh, reading that book. It was called Unscripted by Ernie Johnson Jr., probably most uh, famous for his TNT NBA coverage. So um, two reads I could I could recommend uh, pull up a chair. That's Kurt Smith, who wrote that book about Vin Scully, and again, unscripted by Ernie Johnson Jr. We didn't bring up the Patriots. I wouldn't. I just want <laughs> you know. I I know it's last minute, but 
any any thoughts on what's going on with the Patriots? Well, Roger. first of all, I, I was just going to start sharing because I'm getting a little nervous uh, about my boy Bailey Zappi because uh, <laughs> Malik Malik Cunningham mania is uh, after that first preseason game is taking over the Patriots backup quarterback role right now. Roger, anything on the Patriots that you want to throw out there? Not really, Sherman. I'm not overly optimistic, and I usually am with, with them. I put a lot of faith in Belichick. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of Mac Jones, to be honest with you. That's where it starts with me because I was happy when they drafted him because of their quarterback situation, and there was at least hope that they had something there. And I'm not saying he's he's terrible or anything, but you always hear about the, the strained relationship of him and, and Zappi and, and maybe the other you know, all the quarterbacks really. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just think uh, somewhere around eight, eight wins, maybe, uh, you know, just, I'm, I'm not super excited, I guess. I, I hope I'm wrong. Let's put it this Twice. way. They brought, they brought in Bill O'Brien to give him a support system and, and, and somebody that could kind of focus him. And, and if there is something there, bring it out in him. And so all we can hope is that it's there and he brings it. <laughs> the Patriots are a 500 team since Brady left. So you can consider this season being another 500 season. I think the big thing will be the first home game of the season when they have Brady day, number 12 yeah, days. <laughs> that's right. That's all right, right, gentlemen, we'll wrap up the football show for now, but with football season is just, you know, just kicking it off literally. And uh, I'm looking forward to the 31st for the schoolboy stuff here in Exeter and, uh, and of course, we've got the game coming up uh, at Wildcat Stadium against Dartmouth. That uh, that date again is Sam September sixteenth. Sixteenth. Okay, I didn't want to give the wrong date, so September sixteenth. And on the next edition, Mike Murphy said he would join us so we can kick around some Wildcat football and Wildcat sports. So Roger Brown from the HampshireFootballReport.com, the Union Leader, and now Six Hundred Three Sports Podcast. Welcome, welcome to the the, the jungles. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you when you say that, Sherm. I'm trying to make my way through the weeds for sure. Tell people what you know, and that's that's what, and be honest with them. That's all that matters. Well, you know? I, I did one episode, Sherm, called One Percent Better, and that's my goal. Just get a little better every week. One percent. I like that. Just yeah, that's all you do. Give it, give it your best shot every time, and maybe just a little better, and it gets a little better, and a little, you know, it'll work. It'll work. So on behalf of Roger Brown and Sam Bruno, I'm Sherm Chester, inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seaco Sports Forum.